We, how do we want to start the show? Normally, I, I, one of us either waits so long that it gets obnoxious, and then someone else starts talking. Why don't we, we let's let's establish something a little bit better? Okay. Okay. Exterior, a small house, down the road, past the way, across the bridge from a small city. Two losers, surrounded by action figures, record a podcast. This is their story. Hey, I, I, I recognize that setting. Yeah, it's where I am right now. I'm at Chad's house. Yeah, it's where I live, at Chad's house. It's my house. But we didn't sync up. Three, two, one. Okay. Oh, We're fuck, that was really loud. <laughs> We're recording on the same mic for the first time in 300 episodes. It's true, and it might be a little messy. I will edit this one. Oh, fuck. We were going to talk about something, weren't we? I mean, I guess vacation. Like, we're, we're literally in the same room. He came, he came to Wisconsin and Minnesota from the, the uh, illustrious uh, state of California. Sorry, I have soda in my mouth. Okay, so it is vacation. And I got to say, I've been having a nice vacation. We, did, we, we crammed a lot into this one weekend. We did. I'm very tired. Yeah, what, we went to a museum. We rode a boat. We've seen three movies and miscellaneous. Yeah, <laughs> we, we played a little bit of Baldur's Gate 3. We ate ice cream. We went to a bunch of different like random stores uh, across the way. We went to a ton of restaurants. I've eaten really well today. And by really well, I mean horrible because, you know, big portions. Yeah, we're basically going to have to fast until next year's vacation, so... It does feel that way. Like, I'm really tempted to get up tomorrow morning and go for a jog. And then maybe that'll actually set the precedent where I'll just get up early every day and work out or something. Because I've been meaning to do that and I talk about it. But then I don't do it because I like to fucking sleep. And my cat wakes me up at four in the morning because she's like, I'm adorable. I'm not going to lie to myself. I'm just I'm just going to crash and die. Well, make sure it's not on a plane above me. OK, I hate I hate plane rides. <laughs> They're kind of terrible. It took three planes to get out here. I don't know what's wrong with our plane system that doesn't cater to my specific direction I need to go to. Why are there no direct flights to bullshit cities in Wisconsin? But whatever. It's vacation. So, okay, Chad, I want to ask you, because I want to, I think today what I want to talk about is these movies. Yeah. But before we dig into it, uh, was there anything else you think would be fun to share? Um... I don't know. Like a lot of this stuff is really like specific to this area. It's like, hey, we went to these restaurants that I tell everybody to go to when they come to this area. We ate this much pizza. We drank this much liquor. You know, like there was a really nice element to just kind of hanging out. Baldur's Gate three was fun. I got to play the the first like hour and a half of that. Started a character. Most of that was one cutscene. There was a lot of cutscenes, but they were cool Dungeons and Dragons cutscenes. I was the Baldur's Gate. It, and that kind of spoils it. So, spoiler warning. I was I was impressed at how D and D it felt, and then how I kind of miss D and D, but I also don't because it's time commitment and everything's commitment. And I mostly just want to be a hermit in this room that we're in right now and not not talk or see anybody ever. I just want to enjoy this fine <laughs> cognac. 
Yeah, we're sipping fancy whiskey while we record. Well, cognac, not whiskey. What is this again? Um, I thought you had the bottle. Oh, no, I don't have the bottle in here. It's, uh, I don't remember. It was free. Well, there goes our sponsorship. So, how about we talk about some movies? Yeah, so one of the one of the ideas that Cameron, because Cameron likes bad movies, and I like watching things with Cameron, so he's like, well, I'm going to bring some bad movies, and we'll watch a couple. So the first one we watched was Turkish Star Wars, and then we watched most of the B-movie, but we skipped ahead a little bit randomly to avoid the... Um, the doldrums. The, the Act 2 doldrums, and then we watched Asteroid City, which was not a bad movie. I'm almost more fascinated with the B-movie. <laughs> I love how somehow it worked out that way, but let, let's do chronologically. So I want to ask, because it was actually a couple of days ago now, do you remember anything about Turkish Star Wars? Yeah, there was um, there was Star Wars scenes in a movie that was not actually Star Wars. Uh, there was two guys on a fantasy planet who did a lot of jumping off a trampoline um, over people because that was like the one cool shot the director kind of figured out how to do. Um they were sort of Han Solo-esque characters, like both of them, kind of just like, we're off to maybe save the world from Wish Sleep Token. And uh, then the one guy is like, I'm a womanizer. I'm so pretty. Everyone loves me. And the other guy's like, I'm going to make fun of that. And that, that was kind of their back and forth. The relationship wasn't extreme by any means. That was a very surface level. But what was cool about Turkish Star Wars is every once in a while, they would have like a Power Rangers style fight and the choreography would get really good and they would speed up the fight scenes a little bit to make it look a lot more impactful. But only a little bit. It was a touch. Yeah. And and it worked really well. So you'd be like, God, this movie is incoherent and stupid. And the English is really broken in the in the subtitling. But then they'd start punching each other or like, you know, ripping monsters apart. And it's like, oh. This, this is kind of cool. Like, this is all of a sudden got really good really fast for no reason. So, I guess I should give a little more context. Uh, colloquially, how do you pronounce that word? Colloquially. It's called Turkish Star Wars. The title of the movie is uh, translated from Turkish into The Man Who Saved the World. And it's a movie in Turkey, and it's its own sci-fi movie. It does not use the plot of Star Wars at all. It only uses Star Wars as basically background footage randomly. Like, there's times where there's, like, a Star Destroyer flying by, but it's, like, upside down or backwards. Like, they're just... They're they're throwing it in because they don't know how to make sci-fi effects. So over-monologuing and exposition... You'll just get these Star Wars shots for no reason. And then it'll cut to its own movie that seemed to have a lot going on for it. So I don't know why they even bothered ripping off Star Wars in the first place. But what what was this story even about? It was like a it's like an evil necromancer that is from space and he's threatening Earth. And so Turkey's most powerful warriors, Power Ranger, fight all his like undead thralls. But you can't tell they're undead. Yeah. So. My understanding is the Earth splintered at some point. They weren't really on Earth. They were on like a chunk of it that blew off or maybe it was part of the moon. That's right. I It's hard to follow because it, the exposition dump in the beginning is so dense. And it makes zero sense. And it's poorly translated. Yeah. 
Um, you know, like, like, and it's funny, like, they're like, they're like, oh, there's undead skeletons, and they're just like dudes, like on horses. But when you get kind of closer to the costumes, it looks like they're wearing, like, they got like the skeleton ribs, like, painted on their armor or whatever. So it's like, oh, I guess that's a skeleton because they said so. But now anyone that shows up with this painting on the armor is a skeleton, and so he's a necromancer. Like, yeah, the the building blocks to coherency are not there. Like, it is such a a strange movie that way. The Star Wars footage does not help it. It actually, I would say, is makes it harder to follow. You did say, though, you really like the costuming for the main, like, necromancer wizard. He's got a really funny helmet with the mouth cut open and a specific kind of, like, uh, semicircle. And it looks like the, the, the uh, mask for the lead singer of Sleep Token. And it's really funny to me. Um, Because if you like side by side, they're really they're similar. They're very similar. And it's probably not, you know, it's probably an accident, right? Like, I doubt I doubt the guy that designed that was inspired by Turkish Star Wars. But when I saw that guy show up, I was like, oh, my God, it's Vessel from Sleep Token, a.k.a. his real name is Leo. Spoilers for Sleep Token. (laughs) Now, I'm curious for your next album, for the album art, should you just use Turkish Star Wars, like Photoshop that character? And that's your metal cover now? That would be really funny, but I, my my goal with all my albums is to basically just bully you into drawing something for me. Okay. Yay. Because it worked, it worked twice uh, very well. Okay. I, I want to I go for that hat trick. You know, it's funny. I did that one uh, AI rendering version, and I actually like that better than the one I really did for you. Oh, no, no, no. I really like the one you did for me. With the butterfly, the robot butterfly, and the mm-hmm. weird, like, ca- ca- cables in the background and stuff. Like, no, that turned out really cool. I was, like, exactly what I wanted. But, I, okay, back to Turkish Star Wars. You enjoyed yourself, though, because I remember, I think we did have some drinks, but we were laughing. Yep. We were acknowledging, like, you know, once in a while there'd be a good stunt, or, or like, they're fighting monsters, and they just, like, karate chop an arm off and then throw the arm back at the monster, and it was, like, kind of entertaining. Yeah, the, the, some of the fights are really stupid. Like I said, there's a lot of shots where he's like jumping off a trampoline and it's like he's leaping over his opponent and he's trying to distract him. So he's just jumping over his opponent like 20 times. And it's the same shot from the exact same angle because they only set it up the one way. And I have a feeling they did all that shots on the same day just based on like how the coloring is and where the sun is in the sky. And so he'd like change his costumes. Like, okay, in this scene, you're going to do this again, but you're wearing this. And now you got the gauntlets on, and so you're going to be doing this. But it is literally just like him jumping off a trampoline and be like, yeah, and sometimes like throwing out a kick. And it's really stupid. And I have no idea, like, that had to have been a bit. I feel like they were, they were, they were being silly. It's just, it doesn't really come across that way, but it, like, it has to be. I mean, the movie's clearly made for children, right? It's a kid's movie. So to a degree, they're sort of just having fun with it, and they know it's good enough, so they move on. Yeah, but it didn't seem like it was bored or lazy. It just seemed like, hey, we got this budget. We're going to get this done today. And they got that done today. Well, because there's like one scene where it looks I think they bump the camera and they just don't reshoot it. Like like (laughs) like the the, the, just the the footage goes up, like up like six inches. And you're like, oh, okay, I guess uh, we got some black bars down below. now. guys heads a little cut off. We'll just keep going like, you know. They clearly like we have a couple days to film. We, there are no do overs. We, we're taking the first take of everything we do. Well, and then like going back to the Star Wars footage, there's parts where they're they're flying X-wings and the shots of inside the cockpit. 
are just the actor in front of a film screen where they're playing Star Wars behind him. Yep, that was and great. Sometimes it's framed temporarily in a way where it looks like space is traveling behind him correctly, but then it'll cut to like a shot of Princess Leia talking, and they forgot to cut that scene right there. Like so, even that they didn't quite lift correctly. And if you don't understand what they're trying to convey, it's super confusing. I will also say too, like the at the end towards like the Jeopardy at the end, they're like getting ready to fire the Star Destroyer at Earth. The Necromancer is because he's he's got a he's no it's it's the Death Star, and you know so that shot of Elderon, which we see in the beginning, is part of like look how evil he is, trying to take over Earth, and it's like you just showed him blow up Earth, and it's like but Earth is not blown up, we can still save it. And so he's like, I'm going to blow up Earth if you can't stop me. And he fires the thing, and we see Earth explode. And are like, oh, he, he just blew up the Earth. And then they stop him, like, the Earth is saved. It's like, we just saw you destroy it. That was canonic, like it was in... We saw you destroy it twice. It doesn't make any sense. But they told us it's a happy ending, so we clapped. Yeah, they did kill off one of the uh, main characters, which it was really, really stupid how they did it. Like, he's just like, I'm really angry. And they're like, no, don't run out that room. There might be bombs. And he just, like, explodes. Yeah. Again, there's something special about watching Turkish Star Wars. Your first time, you do not know what to expect. You cannot get used to it and prepare for it. Uh, The other thing they heavily lifted, do you remember? Oh, Indiana Jones, the music. The entire score is just a looping Indiana Jones soundtrack. Yeah, and it's like... Out of context, even like the, the da, 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 you know, like the, the main Indiana Jones melody, it has a tone to it. And they'll like play it like something sad happened. But then the bad guy, a guy shows up and it's like, I know we're having a jaunty adventure. And it's like, no, we were just crying because the guys died or the lady got kidnapped. It, it, it's used so in, incorrectly on top of just being plagiarized. Makes no sense. Ultimately, in the end, it's art. There's a scene, though, where so there's like the two main Turkish warriors and they're like the best in the galaxy or whatever or in the solar system. And one kind of gets like mind controlled and they end up fighting each other. And that fight scene is really good. Yeah, you you commented that you were basically just surprised that it was an entertaining fight scene to watch because, again, everything's so cheap. The costumes are cheap. They recycle footage. They recycle locations. They recycle shots. But then they seem to clearly have really good stuntmen and people probably got actually hurt. Yeah. Yeah. There's a, there's a couple of those like punches and kicks from just like, I don't think he pulled that. I think he just like knocked that dude off a horse. Um, there's one more thing to comment on. And, and uh, so towards the end of the movie, they're after a brain and a sword and none of that makes any sense, but they find the brain and they find the sword and the sword is like this big, stupid hunk of metal that looks like it belongs to Warhammer. And the guy has a couple fight scenes with the sword but he's like, he's definitely a grappler. He's a puncher and a kicker. And so he ends up melting the sword down and making like gauntlets and like foot, uh, foot gauntlets. Uh, I don't remember what it's called. Boot. Boots. Boots? Boots. Is it really just boots? I thought there was a fancy no, he, armor name. No, he, he took the sword and then he, and, it, and he said, I need a theme song. So he made some boots and pants and boots and pants and boots and pants. <laughs> he did. I actually thought that was really cool, though. Like that, that idea was of, like, clever. Melting down Excalibur into something. And I've actually seen that done in other stuff. Um, Again, they had their own story going for it where they did not need the lift quite so much. No. Uh, I, I think what's funny, too, is how... 
like with the brain part, there was I think this is a translation issue because it wasn't clear. I think they wanted to have like the force. But their equivalent of the force was just literally human mental power. And some people seem to have like that. Sometimes they'd refer to it as wisdom or intelligence. And sometimes it was imagination. Yeah. But it's like it implied that it was like human tenacity is your real strength. Except they also killed a guy and the evil necromancer just used his physical brain as a source of power. So that, that wasn't imagination. That's like literally the brain. So I was way confused where they're going with that. And it did not ultimately mean much. <laughs> it didn't. Well, the other thing is like the necromancer and the and his robots, like they capture some actual humans and it's like, oh, just take her brain. You know, like why? Why does her brain not work? Because they keep just saying we need a human brain. And it's like, you've killed so many humans in this movie. Just like, you know, take one. It's they're, they're everywhere. They're they're growing out of the, the, the little skulls that you've left in your wake. But like, no, we need this specific brain from this specific thing with this specific sword. And none of it made sense. Why? The other thing about Turkish Star Wars, because holy shit. So there's like some weird theming going on with this movie. The first one is largely like like nuclear war is bad. And that makes sense because it's Turkey and they're right next to Russia. And at the time, Russia and still do a lot of atom bombs, right? Like nuclear power. And so there is a certain level of like we need to avoid nuclear war or the, the planet. Oh, that was why the planet splintered. Is like we blew it into chunks. Yes, before the Dark Wizard even showed up, the first time Earth blew up was because of human war. But it sort of glossed over. Yeah, but it, but ultimately, like some of the theme, that theming there, I thought was good. Like they, it was a little on the nose, but it's like, oh, there's there's a message here. And then at the end, the the other message was sort of like, you know, kindness and and the willingness to protect others is like what really makes humans special. We we should be good people going forward, and we can defeat the evil necromancer. And you're like, you know, that's there's like some uplifting imagery and messaging in this movie. Um, I was not expecting that. Like for every dumb decision it makes, for every three dumb decisions it makes, there's like one really good one. And it like there is artistry behind it. You no, know, despite how clumsy it is. It's crazy. So, Chad, I want to ask you, because this was the first time you watched it. Mm -hmm. And I was I was very happy to share it with you. Uh, I know we had fun, but do you recommend anyone watch Turkish Star Wars? No, no, I don't think. Well, it's not a long movie. It kind of depends on what you want out of entertainment. Like, I definitely was entertaining to watch it with you and Joe and we were having some drinks. And we were laughing and making jokes and like, you know, that kind of setting. This this was great. Like, I had a good time. But if you were like alone by yourself, manically depressed and you're all crusty from just getting done jerking off, like, yeah, don't throw on Turkish Star Wars, throw on something that's going to maybe make you a little happier. Richard, I'm trying to remember. I think I've shown this to Richard, but I don't remember if he's seen it. See, now Richard's got some homework. I take that back. So if you're Richard, Chad recommends it. Yes. Then you can be friends with us some more. So speaking of friends, how about your new friend, um, B.E. Seinfeld? I don't know where to start with the B movie, <laughs> partly because we did like skip ahead we probably skipped a good 40 minutes of it if not more i yeah i want to say so i so what i showed chad was basically the introduction which is cute and then i jumped forward to the court scene and more or less we we watched from there we we skipped to the um we, we took a detour to watch the uh, larry king like spinoff joke 
which was just there for the adult. It was really funny, but it made no fucking sense. And so the, the beginning of that movie is like, hey, this is kind of like a cheap Pixar movie. You have you have bees doing their thing. It's very whimsical. They got like a weird little surface level technology. Well, not surface level. It's pretty in depth. They're driving cars. And you're like, okay, I, I can dig this. This is the, the jokes per minute are okay. Jerry Seinfeld is a good comedian. So some of them are very funny. And you're like, yeah, I, I get this. I don't know why this is being like hounded on and why this turned into a big internet thing. And then he like falls in love with a human woman. And you're like, oh, that's fucking weird. And then he gets mad and he's like, no, this is our stuff. Humans are taking our honey and I don't want that. We're going to sue the humanity and get our honey back. And he's like, what the shit is this? This makes no sense. But OK, it falls into a groove. And then you skip ahead a bit and all of a sudden uh, this has caused ecological disaster because without work, the bees don't do anything. And then nothing gets pollinated and everything dies. And they have to, like, steal the last remaining flowers from California, bring them back to New York so they can pollinate them and then land a plane emergency wise because uh, the pilots got knocked out trying to kill a bee. And none of it makes any sense. It is like the most bizarre like plotting I have ever seen. And each individual chunk is like ultimately good on its own. Like it's funny and it's it's like a cute, stupid kids movie. Like it's doing a lot of things it wants to do. It's just taken as a whole. The package is fucking nonsense. It is Batshit stupid. I think you pointed out something uh, right right when we watched it. You you were articulating how it seemed like there was uh, there were moments where the story was clearly this sort of uh, anti big business uh, corporate life style thing, and then later it turns into like, oh, is this about having a healthy work life balance? And then later, oh, is this about like? a more socialism approach of like the, you know, the workers should own the means of production kind of like, uh, good old Marx. There's, I don't know. There's like, there's a few different themes that are conflicting. Like they're not just clashing. They're like antithetical to each other. Yeah. The, the thing with this movie, and I think the reason most people feel it's kind of bad is because it doesn't actually have a thesis or a message it just plays off of the tropes of those messages as shorthand so you understand the upcoming gag. Yeah. And so the story is a little incoherent, which is funny because it's filled with jokes. Like, both you guys were laughing. I, mm-hmm. I thought it would be torture and you'd ask me to turn it off. I didn't expect that we would actually watch as much as we did. But you guys giggled at the occasional good gag. You giggle that the occasional bad one is like, oh, it's a groaner, it's for the kids, whatever. But you still appreciated it. I found that very interesting. I, some of the some of the jokes are like really bad, stupid puns, and you're like, oh, it's another B pun. But you know, I appreciated the like amount. You know, they're just going for bro. We're gonna do fucking all of them. And then others were like kind of clever, but also like, who is this for? Like that Larry King uh, segment. You know, that is that wasn't the kids' joke. Or like when the the mosquito shows up at the end is the guy's like lawyer assistant and he's like, I've been sucking blood for, you know, millennium. All I needed was a briefcase and now I'm a lawyer. And it's like, OK, that's kind of funny. Like it's a it's a little lazy and hacky, but like it was delivered with such like kind of venom. You're like, holy shit, where did this fucking come from? And it's funny. And so there's there's a lot of like actual funny gags or just like really stupid things like, oh, we created this device so you can like flick the last drop of honey off the poor. And the, you know, it's like a spinning around and doing that, getting it from a jars like on an assembly line. 
but bees attach themselves to this with hats, with fingers, with pointer fingers on them, and then they just rotate. And you're like, well, if you can make the mechanism, why do you need a bee wearing a hat? And it's so stupid, and that's funny. I don't, the, 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 the way they tackled this movie is weird. It's so weird because there's a lot of really good ideas in it. There's a lot of heart in it. And they had, I think they had a lot of fun making it. But at the end of the day, it is, it is another kind of incoherent movie that it doesn't know what it's about. I don't think it knows who it's for. And I, I, I'm guessing like the, if that's sort of why it has become this like meme it is. Like everyone's like, oh, the B movie's terrible. But no one ever gets to tell me why the B movie is terrible. And it's terrible for like a really interesting kind of specific reason because it's really not terrible, but it is. You know, it, it, it's fascinating. It, it's it's not without its flaws, but then it's also not without its merits, which is just very strange. Because again, no one seems to celebrate the move. You know, it, it's if it comes up, it's sort of a gag where you just have a picture of Jerry Seinfeld and he goes bees, and everyone laughs because they get the reference. But no one's watched the movie. <laughs> I, I think there's a couple quotes that get out of it. Um, of course, it's a joke to just fit the entire script into things. And so that comes up here or there or whatever. Um, there's, you know, YouTube videos where it's the entire movie. But every time they say the word B, it speeds up twice as fast. So it's funny to watch it like, you know, as a gag, just shrink in time immediately. But the other one is just when he first meets the lady. Uh, and she's like not sure that bees can even talk, and she's like in disbelief. And his icebreaker is, "So do you like jazz?" And I don't think that's that funny, but I swear that's like a line that I hear on VR chat like weekly. Really? Yes, specifically referencing that movie. That's great because there's another guy where if he overhears it, he swaps into his B movie avatar. Where it's just JPEGs of Jerry Seinfeld buzzing around in a circle while he plays the voice line over and over. And he just follows people around and you just hear Jerry Seinfeld saying, do you like jazz? Do you like jazz? Do you like jazz? The scene that fucking killed me is like, what is going on? Is um So the lady that falls in love with the bee, she's got like a husband or a boyfriend or something. And like the bee is at their house having dinner with her and he comes home late. And he's in the bee is in his chair. And he's eating, like, the steak that was supposed to be for him. And there's this level of, like, is she cheating on him, on her boyfriend or husband with a bee? And then Jared's like, I need to go use the bathroom. And he's like, that's my bathroom. And it's, like, this really... And it's Putty from, from Seinfeld. It's that, it's that voice actor. And the, the scene is fucking bizarre. Because it, it feels like a Seinfeld joke. And it doesn't feel like a kid's joke. Because the implications are, like, really weird. And the, even, like, the character at the end is he's trying to kill the bee and it's not working. And he's like, I don't even know what I'm doing anymore. My life is falling apart. And it's like, yeah, well, you're, you're sharing that with me. You know, I feel the same right now. I, I really liked that. I really liked um, specifically there's like, like there's moments where it's kind of funny to think about a bee dating a florist. Yeah. I feel like that's such a Jerry Seinfeld joke. But if he was telling this on stage, it would be a total of three minutes before he's out of material to work with. So the fact that they managed to write a movie, even if it's incoherent, mm -hmm. it's kind of impressive that they built something this long off of only B jokes. Yes. I, well, you know what my favorite gag was in this? And it wasn't even really a gag. It was just clever. Is like when they when they communicate through, through their antenna, they like 
twisted around to make it look like they're wearing a headset. And then they're talking into the headset. That is their antenna. And I, I thought that was really fucking clever. Yeah, there's clever things. I was talking about, I love the wardrobe. Like, all the bees wear different clothes, but they're all black and yellow stripes. But there's so so much fashion and variety that it's actually, like, it's easy to tell characters apart. Yeah. It's just, it's kind of funny. It's kind of cute. Uh, I, I think, I don't remember who described it this way, but it is kind of like a low-rent Pixar movie that just sort of derails halfway through. Yes. I don't know how else to really succinctly uh convey this to somebody no no i I would agree with that it dreamworks makes good movies and then dreamworks makes weird movies and this is definitely one of the weirder ones but i want to say it's one of the more entertaining of the weirder ones yeah i never want to see the shark movie with will smith right like i have no interest in that at all the b movie though like I don't know if it's just because the internet latched on or, or if it's because Jerry Seinfeld's in it and that's weird by itself and makes it worth seeing. But, you know, I'm glad we watched it, or at least most of it. So I'm curious, B-movie, do you recommend? Honestly, I think if you're, I mean, if you're listening to this podcast, you probably spend a little too much time on the internet and you, you know the memes, right? I would say if you've never seen it, but you laugh at all of the B-movie jokes, like, Sit down and watch it. And like if you start getting bored, like maybe fast forward through a couple scenes, because ultimately there's a lot that's not really that important. It, 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 it doesn't make a lot of sense. But just to get some of like the really cool visuals, some of the really stupid ones. And then like same with the jokes. It is worth experiencing, even if it is just kind of like an abridged version. It's it's strange. It's hard to recommend because it's again, it's another kids movie. It's not particularly artistful. Like, it, it, like okay. So, what was um the the Puss in Boots' Last Wish? Yeah, as a film, it's amazing. But just as a visual treat, if you're an animator, anyone that appreciates anything about the visual parts of cartoon, you get so much out of Last Wish because visually they do such amazing things with color. Uh, uh, what's the word? Composition. Um, what they do with the characters, what they do with motion, what they do to like move things around. And it's like I could recommend uh, Puss in Boots for multiple reasons to multiple people. B-movie is kind of like, oh, how drunk are you specifically, Chad? OK, let's watch it right now. <laughs> um, I want to ask before we move on, have you seen the teaser trailer for the B-movie? No. The, the original teaser trailer was actually live action. Wait, really? It's Jerry Seinfeld in a goofy bee costume. On a giant set. Wow. And something that bugged me at the time. Bugged, haha. Was specifically, I would rather watch this movie than the CGI. Yeah, because you can like, it's like panning back to the people trying to control the, the costume that he's in. And so there's this weird fourth wall breaking. I would watch this. This looks really, really. I don't know if I would watch this either. Like, I, admittedly, some of these movies are like, <laughs> this is stupid. And I'm like, I don't normally watch bad movies. I don't, I don't try to seek them out. It is not my like. My brain damage. Yeah, it's it's a it's a weird sort of thing. I feel like the B movie is a hard movie to recommend because if you did see it already, that's probably the only kind of person that would want to. You you have to seek it out because it's not actually special. It's just kind of cute for what it is. Yeah. It'd be easy to overhype it. Is <laughs> so it George I don't Lucas? 
No, that's or James Cameron. No, that's Steven Spielberg. Okay, it was the I that was my third guess. I don't know what any of these fucking people look like. Steven Spielberg is the director that wears the baseball hat. Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. Well, yeah, obviously. Thanks. thanks. No, that, that's literally that's the only way to describe him. I don't know why. Oh. <laughs> so B movie was a beetle last. It was unbelievable. Okay, now we can move on. There we go. So, what was the other movie we watched? We watched Asteroid City, the new Wes Anderson movie, which was, like, good. I Actually, this is the first time I've been to a movie theater since COVID. I haven't been to a movie theater in three years. I believe it. Um, I don't like them. We get in. There's, like, nobody in there. And then, like, immediately people sit behind us, despite the theater being, like, virtually empty. And I'm like, I hate going to movie theaters. Why would you why would you choose to do that when you could sit further away from people? But whatever. It, it, no one talked. It was fine. But it, it was one of those things like the little anxiety thing like, oh, no. what? I do want to say before we get into the movie, I love that theater. It's so old. The Rivoli. Yes, it is very old. It's got that old timey <clears throat> theater aesthetic that they, they didn't get away from. They mm-hmm. didn't like, you know, remove and re-update it like top to bottom and so there's a there's a an aura of like this is a presentation this is a show you're not just going to the theater like this is oh you dress up because you're going to the theater yeah and i felt like that was actually maybe the best venue with that weird small screen to watch this specific film which has a fourth wall element that is in itself presenting itself as a story that's being presented yeah, yeah, yeah. If it didn't make sense, I didn't word it right. But if you saw the movie, that made sense. That movie was really weird. And I know, like, I don't, I'm not familiar with Wes Anderson's filmography. I know he's one of those, like, auteur directors. Like, you go to see his movies because they're his movies. And he's going to do weird shit that you're going to appreciate because you like him as a director. And I definitely got that from this movie. Um, I enjoyed it. I think I understood it, but it, there's a certain like it is deliberately hard to follow at points and it's self-referential. It's fourth wall breaky. There's jokes in it. Um, we're like a character. We're like, I don't think I'm supposed to be in this scene and then like leave, but leave like barely off screen. You can still kind of see a little bit of his shoulder. And it is a, it is a strange movie. Like the, 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 the cinematics of it and the coloring and, and like the visuals are awesome it, it is a very cool looking movie there's nothing i've ever seen that looks like it because i don't know if this has actually hit Redbox yet uh there's a good chance you might not have seen it yet we're probably going to talk about stuff that might or might not spoil it uh so if you really really care maybe skip ahead or whatever but i don't know that that matters for this particular kind of story that i kind of recommend you watch more than once anyways because yeah. it's weird I don't I don't think knowing plot details would hinder your viewing of this movie, um, mostly because the thing that keeps you hooked is kind of just how weird all the characters are and then how well acted they are and then what the camera is going to do while they're talking and moving, because the camera is like its own thing, its own character, like it's going to slide around and shift on stuff and it, it it knows what it thinks is important versus what the cast thinks is important. So I guess I want to ask you, how would you describe the plot? Um, I don't know, because it's like a, a story within a story. So like part of me is like, oh, the plot is these actors getting together 
to put on this play, but none of the actors really know what the play is about. And they're kind of concerned about that. And then there's like drama that happens. But that's also like maybe 15% of the movie. The rather 85% is the play itself, which is a bunch of people go to Asteroid City uh, for like a science fair, like these kids entered experiments. And one of them's going to win money, some, you know, some scholarship money. Um, and then they're, they're getting along. There's like family drama. And then an alien shows up and the government shows up. Now, the, the reason I asked you that question is I was curious if you would frame the plot as the playmakers making the play or the context of the play. Because I feel like the plot is the play but it's provided with the context of the real making of it. I would say that's probably true, just totally based on the amount of um, resources spent on both sections. Well, I'd, I'd say it's true based on what I interpret as the meaning of the movie, which brings me to like the next thing is like, this is very artsy and I think there's going to be different reads. Um, walking out of it, did you feel like you understood what like the message was or the thesis or I think the the thesis of the movie was this conversation that the one actor who's like I don't understand my character help me understand this play cuz like I don't get it and his understudy's like no 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 just just keep doing it you're doing a great job and like that he's like but I don't get it he's like that's okay though it does you don't have to get it just keep doing it cuz you're doing a great job and that certain level of like that to me is like the overarching idea of of this is like the thing that's going to the mantra that will stick with me. And it's like, I don't understand life. What is the meaning of life? It doesn't matter. You're doing a good job. Just keep going. And there's like this kind of like affirmation aspect to this movie, um, despite all of the weird shit that happens uh, to the characters and the alien and what does it mean and all that. Like, it's like, it doesn't really matter. Just keep going. Yeah, I feel like that's. Really, the ultimate question is, what is the meaning of life? And more or less, the meaning of life is to live. Which is a unsatisfactory answer to the question and the closest answer we've ever had to the question. Yeah. And I think what the play does within the context of the film is that it dances with this concept of sometimes something happens while you're in the middle of life. That was unexpected and that derails you and you don't know what to do and you can get lost in that moment or you can keep going. But outside of that, there's the behind the scenes of the working men and women that make the production. And they have their own troubles and their own bumps in the road. And sometimes things happen and you can't do anything about it and you have to keep moving on. Yeah, there's an there's this idea that like people depend on you regardless of what you're doing. You're not like you're not the main character, like even if you kind of are like because this guy like is the main character. But he can't leave like like if he leaves the play, it's kind of fucked. I mean, his understudy can take over, but ultimately he's the one playing this the best, right? Like people are going to this play to see him perform this role. And so he needs to keep doing that and he needs to keep doing that because all the other actors need him to keep doing that. And all the stagehands. Um, and then within the play itself, that actually shows up where like this character is thinking about like basically because his wife has passed away, abandoning his kids. And he he gets kind of called on that. And he's like, well, I'm not going to do it. I just thought about it. But I, I'm not I mean, I'm not going to do it anymore. 
And that's also part of the meaning is like, you know, don't abandon the people around you if they are important to you, if they are good people. It's also a matter of self-reflection. I don't know if you noticed this, but nearly every character at some point monologues about themselves. Yeah, no, no, you're right. There's a lot of, um, you know, here's my story. And a lot of these are framed in different ways because sometimes a stranger might ask them for their story. And sometimes there's a captive audience. But every character pretty much has an opportunity to tell their story. And if you look at everyone's stories individually, they don't have anything to do with any of each other. But these people are also kind of trapped together for a week and they have this shared experience together. And it's very interesting to just think about all these individual separate pieces that are all in a box together. Um, I really liked the military general when he gives his speech. And for whatever reason, it's just like about his childhood. Yeah. And it's and like he has it separated out by chapters for some reason. And it's just like, what are you even talking about? And it was a funny scene. But then later, there's a part where the scientist lady is on the same stage with the same microphone. And she's talking about the wonders of science, but then like accidentally derails into her own childhood. And when she injured her eyes and that's what inspired her to become a scientist. But that's another story. But it's like, yeah, but you just told your story. And it's like she didn't even mean to. And it's just like something keeps going back to the thought of the self and how we view ourselves and how, you know, th- uh, there was more than one damaged person that kind of reflected on why they do the things they do. And even if they don't have the answer, they're aware that they do it. Yeah. And I think that recurring motif is important to that. Uh, that weird message at the end where they all start chanting, if you don't fall, or no, if you don't wake up, you can't fall asleep. What was it? No, if you, if you don't fall asleep, you can't wake up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm trying to figure out what that really means, because that's one of the few things that the movie presents to you very directly, where it's like, this is a, something I want you to take home. Yeah, you got like characters looking at the camera and reciting this, like they're standing, you know, they get up. It, it is a very climactic part of the movie like hey this is a message we're saying it over and over characters who aren't even like in the scene and it's hard to tell like chronologically where that scene even takes place because this plays with time a bit but it's like yeah no no like this is the thing to take away or at least one of the big ones yeah and so if you you can't wake up if you don't fall asleep is something that's been like haunting me a bit and it's leading me to my own self-reflection which i cannot list the number of movies that have made me think you know, like to this degree where it's like, what is the meaning of life kind of a thing? Because mm-hmm. that stuff is always so rote and try hard. And this is almost self-aware of how like artisanal douchebaggery it is. But it's having so much fun with it that it takes you along for the ride. And I find this a very palatable version of the super artsy film. Yeah. Also, like to me, part of it, because he's talking about dreaming and like. There's all these scenes where apparently the characters are supposed to have fallen asleep and dreamed like these big revelations and then they, they're not in the movie at all. And so like the idea of like you can't wake up if you don't fall asleep, but the idea is you fall asleep to dream. And I think like having dreams, having these aspirations, these weird moments where you can connect to ideas in ways that lucidly you will not actually do if you're awake is important. But the movie's not about that. But it's sort of like this background idea that shows up a little bit randomly once in a while. It's also, I want to say, a visual treat. Oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. 
it's so uh it's shot such interesting strange ways we get these weird uh, like everything he does is always very just flat but this almost seemed like a parody of himself where everything was extra flat and the the camera angles were extra 90 degrees like it just it, they leaned into it so hard but it was also just very fun colors each each uh each camera angle has interesting composition that you can just stop and stare at and think about how it's interesting how they frame this one thing here. And then there's another thing on the side. And it's like, uh, it reminds me of, of there's a, there's like a painting style that does this. What is it? I don't remember. You know what I'm talking about? If if anyone knows what Wes Anderson films look like, you know what I mean? But it's one of the few examples where I can think of a film director where their visual style is how you recognize them. Yeah, it reminded me like it's like every shot looked like it could have been a postcard for era from Arizona like, from like 1945 to 1955. Like there's this washed out like sun bleach, like someone left it in the sun a little bit. But the coloring was still really good. It's not like it was a faded movie, but it just had that like aesthetic to it, like finding an old postcard at a gas station and being like, oh, this is kind of charming. But then it was that for like an hour and a half. It was awesome. I'm not sure. Do you have anything else you'd want to say about it? I don't think so. I mean, like, there's a lot of little fun things that happen on and off. I don't want to give too much of it because I do think people should go see this movie. We definitely talked like pretty plot heavy and like theme heavy about it. But there's there's a lot of reasons to see it. The performances are awesome. Seeing like the cast is great and how they're used is really, really fun. Um, I know you laughed out loud at least once. Yeah, I felt like kind of bad. I think I was the only person laughing, but like this movie was really fucking funny. It was funny, and you weren't the only one laughing. Okay, good. Uh, you might have laughed more than some people, but I know you were not alone. Uh, because a couple of the deliveries are just so perfect. <laughs> the, the timing is odd. There's a couple... Uh, I, I want to say there's like jokes where it's very funny that he said that and you want to laugh. But there's also other little moments where it just kind of... It's humorous to think about. Like there's a... There's a running gag about how you can buy real estate from a vending machine. Yeah. And it's like none of that really pays off, but they keep touching on it. And it's just kind of funny. But it's not like it's a plot point and it comes together at the end. It's just a cute thing. And there's a lot of things like that throughout the film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's some really like dark jokes, too. And like the, the thing that it's funny because they said something that like is so kind of horrible, you wouldn't say. Like about, you know, the nature of death or like the meaning of life. You know, like if you're explaining to your like four year old kid that no, your your mother is dead, um, and God's not real and heaven's not real, but maybe it is for you because you're a Catholic, but I'm an atheist, you know, that's how we raised you. And you're just like that that you're not approaching this correctly, my guy. What the fuck? But it's really funny because it's just like the way he's acting this out and the way this is shot. And it's it's so bizarre, but in a great way. So the same question I got to ask. Do you recommend Asteroid City? Yes, yes, yeah, absolutely. A lot of fun. I realized I asked that question, but I never answered it. I recommend all these movies. I, I hate you, and I want you to waste your time. Yeah, take that, listeners of this show. But I, I do highly recommend Asteroid City. It, it's a, it, I think it's a very well-made movie. I want to say it's one of my favorites. Especially after the second viewing. I, I loved it the first time, but the second time I was wondering, well, now that I, I feel like I understand it, will be boring. And now I got sucked into it just as much. Um, I'm going to I'm going to move us along a little bit because in like 10 minutes, we got to go eat. Um, 
Quick glad space. I want to say, okay, oh, you know what? That bar we got martinis. Yeah, the Starlight Lounge. Starlight Lounge, uh, very, very nice. It was very classy atmosphere. Very, like, deliberately Mm old-timey. But also, what a great menu. I, I enjoyed my time there a lot. My glad space is I haven't been hungover at all yet this weekend, despite how much I've drank with you, and that is great. I haven't learned any lessons yet. Um, I'm hoping to continue to not do that. Yeah, we've been having so much fun. This has been the best vacation ever. Uh, and I I, uh, I love all my time I've spent with Chad and Joe. And you um, have to be my parents. And yeah, really. I mean, we just, we've had a good time. I think uh, it's hard to pick a lad space. So I'm glad that I was able to think of one because we've just done so many things in the past couple of days that I'm almost like, my my brain's still tired. <laughs> yeah, I've been sleeping real good these nights because you just you you're you're shotgunning lacrosse Wisconsin and in, in you know forty eight hours basically it's a lot. But yeah, I guess that's about it. Uh, any closing remarks that we didn't touch on? I don't think so. Um, other than I guess, just be yourself. Oh, don't do that. No. How about? Well, you know, well, if I can't think of a better one, maybe that's what we go with. Yeah, I think I think I think the audience is kind of fucked. Just be yourself. What? You sounded so sad. Like I just poked you in the side with a spoon or something. Be yourself. We did it.